Hello, and welcome to this episode of our podcast, Why Is The World? We've got some new logos, new content, new social medias. This is 2022, and our new... I, d I don't know what to call <laughs> it. We've just kind of... We've had a little bit of a restart, which yeah, is nice. Nah. Restart, new year. I'm your host, Miles, and as always, with, with me, my co-host, Sevi. Hi, everyone. So this podcast aims to introduce you to different cultures, areas, and debates from across the world and empathize with those places. And today is a pretty human-focused episode, so lots of empathy. Um, for what are we talking about, Miles? We are going to discuss the question, what is it like to live in the Maritimes? The Maritimes. We're probably going to have to clear out what the Maritimes are. Yeah. So Maritime, like you think ocean, you think water, like, but there's Maritime all over the world. So where is uh, the Maritimes in this context? So this specific context is a region of Canada made up of three of their provinces out on the East Coast. We might define it a little bit more later, uh, but this is sort of the east, far East Coast of Canada. Um, it's just about connected to the mainland, we'll call it. Um, yeah. parts of it and then uh one of them is not connected to the mainland but um maybe take a little guess as to what that is because um the, the, we do have the, a few the, options about what could be connected <laughs> to the mainland but may yeah. not be so anyway before we get really stuck into it i'm going to ask did you have any uh preconceptions about the idea or the the question and have you been there uh kind of and yes so I, I had some preconceived notions on what it's like to travel to the Maritimes, but not necessarily live there um, because I have traveled there uh, in the past. I went to... Um, but to... when you traveled there, you must have had an idea of this is what it could be like to live here. Yeah, no, that's true. Do you not do that when you travel there? We stayed with people who actually live there and like definitely went around and experienced that. Um, but it was still like we were doing the tourist destinations, like more of the travel-y type things you do when you go to a place. And I feel like that's still pretty different from actually living there. I learned, a, for example, I learned a lot more about like what's actually like to live there um, versus just when I traveled there for a couple days, maybe like four days, uh, like a decade ago. Maybe less than a decade ago. Anyway, like five to ten years ago. Okay. Um, so let's so, give a yeah. quick rundown of like where it is, the province, uh, provinces, and um, like how that all fits together. Uh, but sorry, quickly, did did you have any preconceived notions about Maritimes? Did you know anything about them? I didn't know much about them, to be honest. Um, I ironically had a holiday planned uh, oui. to go there. It was indeed it was with you, sadly, and one other, but. Uh, we will all be reunited soon. Yes. Um, that's a good way of putting it. So, anyway, rundown. So, Canada has 13 provinces. So, provinces like states uh, or uh, regions of the country. Um, e then there's Eastern Canada, which is made up of six provinces. So, on the eastern half. Then there's Atlantic Canada, which is along the Atlantic Ocean. So, that is the maritime that we were talking about, the maritime area. Um, and the Atlantic Canada is made up of four provinces. Um, but then the Maritimes is three of those four provinces. So the Maritimes is specifically New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, and Prince Edward Island. And then the fourth one in the Atlantic Canada is also uh, Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, but they aren't usually included within that Maritimes 
bubble. Um, and bubble is actually a strong word, a good word for it, because they actually were a bubble during COVID. You could go amongst the Maritimes, but it was a lot harder to exit and enter because um, they kind of like it almost became its own like subregion or country within that. You didn't mention Canada actually has um, territories as well as provinces. Yeah, so the so the Northwest Territories is technically considered a province, which is a little confusing because territory is in the name. Yeah, so I actually looked up what the difference between a territory and a province is. Oh, I'd love to and hear. There, there is a constitutional difference. Uh, it's important to note that in practice, however, there is no difference. Okay. Uh, so um, provinces have a higher degree of autonomy and serenity, but territories are controlled by the federal government. So the, the federal government controls all the territories, whereas the provinces were like more autonomous regions. and that was um initially um because of the basically territories are a bit newer as well does the uk have territories like that no the okay. uk's we can save that for a different episode crown dependencies <laughs> um no we won't open that there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to uh to unpack in that one the definition so. of u.s territories is very similar to what you described with the constitution of canada it's much more federal oversight however most u.s territories are a lot less state-like in the sense that they're very small or just have a base on them or something like that most yeah. not all yeah. mm -hmm. so the provinces are enshrined in the constitution and are co-sovereign with the federal government whereas the territories are but as I said, in practice today, there's no real distinguishing differences. Interestingly, uh, some of the territory, the newest territory, none of it, is the was only formed in 2000, mm -hmm. which, yeah, it's only 20 years ago, but it still seems kind of recent to me to be changing all your internal borders. I, I'm quite surprised. I didn't know that. I moved to Canada after 2000 and... Maybe I learned that, but I totally forgot. Yeah, I found that quite surprising that... That is very new. The, the borders have changed actually quite recently with their territories and provinces. So. Did it used to all be Northwest Territories and then it like became none of it? I'm, I'm not sure as yeah. to what it was before, to be honest. Uh, maybe we'll have to provide some extra content later <laughs> or you can message and reply to us on instagram and twitter and let us know and tiktok yeah. don't forget we've got a new tiktok now at podcast why is the world all lowercase yes sorry tiktok too okay so the maritimes as we've said new brunswick nova scotia and prince edward island they have a population of 1.9 million roughly mm -hmm. uh just some context is you could fit the whole population of vienna into okay. the maritimes wow. into the same density um or rabat which is in morocco um, yeah. as a global perspective and do you want to let us know what the u.s yeah. perspective or so it's like the size of like a little bit bigger than new mexico um population the state and then like a little smaller than houston um and like the whole the city of houston and then to give us to give you another perspective on a world perspective that uh, you guys might understand better is it's about um, same size as Slovenia, which we have covered. We have. Do you remember which episode? Yes. It, uh, 
I remember the name of the episode. Do you remember which episode? Episode sixteen. Why is I think it was I think it was cycling thirteen or fourteen. Fourteen. Why is Slovenia so good at cycling? Yes, go and check that one out. Yeah. Or maybe don't. That wasn't one of our best. Oh, it was a good one. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was very different, but that's a good thing. We're trying things out. Um, yeah, so... So, uh, how big an area is the... So, I got about 50,000 square miles. Okay. Which is... 80,000 square kilometers. Okay. Which I found is about the same size as, like, Louisiana, the state, or Nicaragua, the country. Okay. Wow. And then also Greece, so. Although Greece is harder to wrap your mind around, considering it's yeah, a lot of islands. Yeah, there's a lot of islands, yeah. Although this does have some islands, so, and it is more, like, it's definitely not one big mass, like most, uh, unlike most other nations. A bit more distinct than Greece, perhaps. Yes. Uh, it's definitely large chunks of islands instead of lots of small and medium and large and mainland. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, do you know what the highest point in the Maritimes is? I do not, but my guess is it is in New Brunswick. Yes, you are correct. Okay. I'm actually surprised at that because... Why? I have a topographical map in front of me. And so we haven't really described it yet, but Nova Scotia, which is um, an island that sort of runs... Almost parallel to the Atlantic coast. So, so it's not quite a full island. It is connected to the mainland slightly. Sorry. Um, so think about it as New Brunswick is like a chunk off the coast of Maine um, and Quebec. Uh, Where's Maine? Maine is in the north. It's the northeastern part of the United States. Like it's in the far northeast corner. It's almost like extends out northeast. In fact, the easternmost point in the U.S. is in Maine. Um, we went there on our way to Maritimes. Um, but, uh, and then Quebec is slightly to the north of the Maritimes. And then you have New Brunswick, which is actually the mainland and is next to Maine and Quebec. Um, and then New Brunswick has a small peninsula that stretches out to a larger peninsula that is Nova Scotia. But part of Nova Scotia is an island that's slightly just like barely off of it. And then Prince Edward Island is, in fact, an island that is north of both of them and kind of in and is cradled in between. Is that an okay way of describing it? Yeah, I think so. I got a bit lost on your Nova Scotia island. Bit. So, so, sorry. So, the Nova Scotia island is also called Cape Breton Island. Um, sorry, that, you're right. That, I should have said that. So, Cape Breton Island is technically its own island, but it's part of Nova Scotia, which is still connected to the mainland. But if you looked at a map, you... You, you would be surprised about that. It's, like, pretty small. Nova Scotia looks like a seven. The number seven. I think it looks a lot like New Zealand. What do you think? It looks like a seven. Okay. <laughs> I know now, what you mean, but it, it doesn't... Now you can't unsee it, it, it right? <laughs> no, I can unsee okay. it, because I think it's wrong to... Okay, it's a seven, but not quite as much of a seven as uh, Somalia. Yes, but it's still kind of like a seven of the mainland, and then you have Cape Breton, which sits um, sort of like as a continuation of the slant. Um, the, yeah, of the seven. Anyway, I thought I've got a topographical map in front of me of that, 
So why were you and, surprised I thought it was in New Brunswick? And Cape Breton actually seems to have amongst the highest density of the mountains. Okay. Uh, up on that on the northern part of Cape Breton. And so when I first looked at the topographical map, I thought, ah, the, the, yeah. the highest point's going to be in that big concentration of it. But it's actually not. It is, in fact, in New Brunswick. Yeah, I thought New Brunswick, because usually mountains are on the mainland more than islands, and I also knew Maine had a lot of mountains, so I, that's why I assume that. But I don't have a topographical map like you do, unfortunately. So it's called Mount Carlton. Okay. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, Carlton. Uh, it's 817 meters tall. So that's not very tall in the grand scheme of so things. The right? UK has a higher point than that. Okay, and the yes. UK. <laughs> and that's a that's a rarity. I'll yeah, tell you. That's that a rarity. Um, so it's two thousand seven hundred feet, or two thousand six hundred and eighty to be exact. And to give you a cons- like maritimes, like it's a it's a pretty large area, but it's only one percent of Canada. Like so, it's not like it's pretty small in the grand scheme of Canada. But then again, Canada is gigantic. So. Yeah, so did we want to talk a little bit about maybe the climate up there? definitely. So surprisingly, despite being pretty far north, like it's almost like it's north of Maine, right? North of, uh, I guess it's like in line with Maine. Um, And it's in Canada, uh, just south of Newfoundland, which is just south of Greenland. Um, The... It's actually quite warm summers, and part of that is due to the St. Lawrence brings a lot of warm water northward um, from the Great Lakes um, in the summer, and also the fact that just the water effect like neutralizes the, uh, um, or neutralizes probably isn't the right word, but regulates the temperature. Um, so summers are really nice, like like nice temperatures of uh, like 35 Celsius, uh, uh, 80s in Some Fahrenheit. might argue that's quite hot. Okay, so 30 Celsius and 85 uh, Fahrenheit. and But the winters are a different story. The winters are pretty brutal. They're not brutal in the sense that it's a lot of snow, unless you're inland in New Brunswick. Um, but they are brutal in the sense it's lots of like rain and ice and sleet and um, cold temperatures. I, one thing I did see is in lots of parts of Canada, there aren't really, especially inland, in the center of the country or farther north, there's barely any uh, seasons. They're like, there's no seasons. There's really just like w- long winter and then a little bit of summer. Um, whereas th- you do have a lot more seasonal activity in the Maritimes due to the water effect. Um, and they do get like, they still have a long winter because it gets dark and things, but it's not quite as bad as uh, most of the rest of Canada. So it has, in summary, it has better weather than most of Canada. Unless it's winter. It depends what you like. Do you like really snowy, like, cold? Or do you like really wet and icy and snowy cold? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're from a tropical region, it would be, the Maritimes in the summer would be great. It would be like a fall, great fall day. Um, however, in the winter, you would freeze your ass off. Yeah, I... How would you describe it? Yeah, it sounds cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I found a some similar places that have similar sort of climate patterns okay. to them in, in Europe anyway. And that is um, southern Sweden and Poland have a similar... Okay. So because weather. it's and like kind of by that body, it's by the 
Adriatic Sea? No. The what's that called? It'd be called the Baltic Sea. Sorry, the Baltic Sea. So in the sense that it's also by water in that sense, but also far north and cold. Yes. Okay. But like Poland and southern Sweden do get very cold in winter. Yeah. So yeah, especially Poland. Um I also mentioned like it's quite foggy as well. Um one of the things is a lot of hurricanes that go through the Americas. Um they actually the hurricane kind of dies down and just becomes a big storm and it gets really cold and that hap and the idea is the maritimes a lot of those hurricanes like the not they're not specifically a hurricane but the end of the hurricane basically dumps a lot of moisture and water and uh on the maritimes and it, it ends up becoming just like a bad winter storm in some ways or even yeah but it is storm. technically a tropical revolving storm when it starts yeah so it's the formation's different. It's kind of like the end huh. of the, the hurricane. So I, for a moment there, I was a bit like, hurricanes wouldn't go there, surely, because uh, I don't know how much you know about the like tropical revolving storms, but yeah. they, they, a hurricane specifically has to go like start in the Atlantic and go to yeah. from east to west, and it has to be in that specific band. And it uses warm moisture to collect and tropics. to build, yeah, yeah. and it spins which is why it has to be in that um, between the tropics mm -hmm. for its formation. But because of the Coriolis effect, it will spin and curve upwards or downwards. Yeah, it always spins the same direction, right? Depending on which side of the equator it's yeah. on. So, but isn't when it's south of the equator, it might be called a cyclone or is that Pacific Ocean? Cyclone is the Indian Ocean. Oh, okay. And a typhoon is a Pacific Ocean hitting East Asia. And a willy-willy is a Pacific Ocean moving southwards into Australia. And that's why... Um, I've never... A willy-willy? <laughs> that's hilarious. Willy-willy, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, hurricanes are North Atlantic Ocean. Yes. Um, and Northeast Pacific, apparently. Typhoons are Northwest Pacific Ocean, and then cyclones are South Pacific and Indian Ocean. Okay, and the Willy Willy? And the Willy Willy is what you said. <laughs> so that would be what I would have called the South Pacific, because it hits Australia. Maybe that's the Australian way to say it? I think it might be, yeah. That, that sounds very Australian. <laughs> Okay, we'll we'll go with that. I was fact checking live on yeah that. So um, we've covered the climate. We've covered where it is. Do you want to tell us a bit about who lives there? Yeah, definitely. I won't get too much into it because that definitely is uh, analogous in our question. So because New Brunswick is quite close to Quebec, Quebec's just to the north of it. Um, it has a substantial French population. Um, it's about 30% see French as like their main first language, um, whereas it's 70% English. And then the rest of the uh, provinces, Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island, are predominantly and more so um, English uh, as their main language. Uh, therefore, New Brunswick actually... So, so Moncton is the largest city, and it is a fully bilingual city. So I believe it's like it's a fully bilingual city, like officially, government-wise, in a fully bilingual city. Uh, province which is new brunswick in a fully bilingual country which is canada 
and I've been to Moncton, it is in fact like like most people can speak both. Um, it's similar to Montreal in that way. Um, but there definitely is like one side of town that's more French and one side that's more English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what else? There's also a language called uh, Canadian Gaelic or Cape Breton Gaelic. Yeah. Little clue in the name there. Um, so it's a uh, it comes it comes from Scottish Gaelic, um, Nova Scotia kind of Scottish. Uh, yeah. You can connect the dots, um, and it's still spoken on Cape Breton. Yeah. Um, I by about I think two thousand people speak it in total, but there's about three hundred native speakers. Yeah. So like you said, there's a lar- quite substantial Gaelic population there relative to the rest of North America, and they. Uh, it used to be spoken a lot more commonly, but it's a little yeah. bit been washed out. But they do still have actual, like, full-on full schools that teach in Gaelic in Cape Breton Island. Yeah, similar to, I guess, UK schools in Wales. That, that's a good analogy, although it's a, Wales is a lot bigger. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and then they also have... Uh, the Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq, yep. uh, which have reserves in all three provinces, and that's the main indigenous group that was part of this area before the French, the English, and everybody else uh, moved from Europe to North America. And traditionally, the Mi'kmaq were seasonally nomadic. Okay. Um, in winter, they hunted the caribou the moose, and small game. In summer, they fished and gathered shellfish and hunted seals on the coast. Miles is going back to his ASMR voice. (laughs) I'm trying. (laughs) You said I need to work on it, so I'm working on it. The winter dwellings were conical, which is a wigwam. Yep. It's a specific shape. Um, Sevi will tell you what a teepee is and how they are different from a wigwam. Uh, wigwams are more like a dome, like an igloo, but not made out of snow. And what's a teepee? A teepee is more triangular, and yeah, wigwams are definitely built. They're they're like what we would describe as like a current tent nowadays, in the sense that you can pack them up quickly and move. Hence, the nomadic lifestyle, or the mo- it's actually the other way around. But you know what I mean. So they would make them with birch, birch bark or skins, and the in the summer dwellings they'd have very different things, more open air style housings. Uh, and their clothing was very similar to that of Northeast Native American Indians. Uh, both men and women wore robes made of fur and blankets and men typically wore loincloths and women would wear dresses. And it was usually very ornate with um, plenty of um, like fringes and uh, decorations on them as well. And the reason it was nomadic and they moved around is simply because the weather, like the winters were more brutal than the summers and they couldn't really create like crops to sustain them year round. Smarter than the current population, arguably. (laughs) Oh, well, that's what shipping's for. (laughs) You can ship as much as you want. You're not going to run away from the dark and the cold. It's true. And that describes the people well, so... (laughs) Um, so another part of the Maritimes, we'll probably just cover up a little bit and then we can probably get into the question mm-hmm. after this. I just wanted to say um, it's mainly, uh, it was very rural and agricultural based. And then 
they've found that there's a lot more resource-based economies such as fishing, agri uh, well, agriculture still, but like uh, forestry and mining as well. Um, but the um, basically jobs aren't exactly the most common thing to find. Um, that's probably something that we'll pick up on a bit more mm -hmm. in the question. And part uh, of but, that is a is function it... of the boom and bust of like the oil economy there, which has actually happened multiple times. It's not like it busted once. Yeah. And, and at the moment it's actually coming back up in manufacturing. There's, there's a increased, um, manufacturing desire in the Maritimes. Um, and I guess the last thing is, um, to do with fishing in 2020 um there's been quite a bit of dispute from local fishermen and micmac indigenous fishermen about when they start their catch so um at, fir at first it came from a place where um the local fishermen wanted to deny the indigenous fishermen um use of the same resources and then they were granted all those rights and then um now they're accusing each other of like going outside the season to overfish and this and this is all current currently ongoing and it's all in in the courts so i'm sure if you lived in one of those towns this is very important mm -hmm. um because it's obviously a huge part of their livelihood and a big part of their industries and there's a big dispute about um the sustainability of it um, long term uh, and I heard someone say they have the best seafood in it's pretty good but I did also find that the best lobster is apparently not from so that they specifically say the lobster are extra extremely good from the Maritimes however apparently the best lobster is from Maine, not Nova Scotia, because that small difference um, is a slightly colder water, which forms a thicker shell and has, um, so it's harder and has less tender meat. Yeah, I... And then I also found a website <laughs> that said, none of that is true. The best lobsters are in Australia. Okay. Well, you can believe that last one, but I'll tell you the real answer, which is... Uh, it's kind of like saying like tomato, tomato, right? Like Maine lobster and maritime lobster. It's the same water. It's right next to each other. Um, it's very close. In fact, they fish in the same waters. And there's a huge, like you talk about the dispute with the indigenous. There's actually a dispute between Americans and Canadians on the lobster rights as well, because they have different rules for fishing. And so the rules kind of like, butt up against each other in certain areas. And there's actually a famous island with a lighthouse Canada built on it that both countries claim um but again that is like a, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself about that one island and there's other podcasts that have done it better so definitely look that up um so i, that, I hope that ties everything you said together um but yeah so a couple quick fun facts and then we'll dive straight into the question so these are some places i visited when i was there there's confederation bridge so prince edward island is actually connected to by a bridge to New Brunswick. And it's a super long bridge. This is an eight mile bridge or about 12.9 kilometers. Um, it's the longest bridge in Canada and the world's longest bridge over ice covered water. Um, and it was like pretty expensive and like we I'm drove- I'm guessing you went there in summer then. 
Yeah, we went there in summer. Yeah. Um, and but you can still go over in winter. It's really impressive. But it connects Prince Edward Island, which used to only be by ferry before, um, to the mainland. Um, and in that sense, all of the Maritimes is connected to the mainland Canada by the Canadian highway system. Um, mm-hmm. Newfoundland Labrador is not, but that is not the Maritimes. Um, and then another uh, beautiful place that I visited are the tides uh, at Hopewell Rocks. So between Maine and Nova Scotia and New Brunswick, there is the Bay of Fundy, which has the largest tides in the world, <laughs> beats the United Kingdom and the Bristol Channel. Um, and You're not even Canadian, so I don't know why you're trying I to I said Maine that. too, um, <laughs> and I lived in Canada, so it's still... Uh, and... What was my point with that? Anyway, so these tides are... So, so the average tides in most areas of the world are about three feet um, up and down on average. Um, but at Hopewell... It's about a meter. Yeah. So at Hopewell Rocks, it's closer to uh, three stories of change. Like three... Like like building stories um, is how much the water meters. goes up and down. Yeah. So like 32... Between 32 and 46 feet um, is what they normally get. Um, and... We went there and the way it worked is you like, there's all these like, it's like cliffs, right? And the cliffs go down to a beach and there's these stairs that go down to the beach. And you basically like walk down these stairs to the beach and you like play amongst the beach. And the tide was coming in when we were there and they have literally a siren. And when the siren rose, everybody has to go back up the stairs because otherwise you will be like drowned because the water literally goes up the side of the cliffs. Um, and there's no way to like do anything. So it's literally, you can kayak where you were standing less than two hours before and, and we could and it, like it was amazing you could see it coming in like it, that's how fast this it, it was quite incredible if you you can actually for those mathematicians out there it's quite um a an exercise to really calculate how fast the water moves when it comes in because you can measure the distance of the like the beach and you know that it's rising by you've got the time because yeah. it's tight and you so you can measure how fast it's going to be moving horizontally across a beach and the answers are usually quite frightening um like mm-hmm. you couldn't outrun it kind of things which and is, and i was playing yeah. amongst it. it and it's not like you see this swell just slowly coming in forward before it hits the cliffs it's still like waves in the sense that they're going back and forth but like you can see the average is like still moving or that mean is still moving up Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, shall we? What is the question, Miles? Dive us in. The question is, what is it like to live in the Maritimes? In case you haven't got an idea of what it might be like already, the Maritimers who live there enjoy a quality of life that is one of the best in North America. For individuals, families, the region offers inexpensive real estate, a low cost of living pristine natural areas and friendly people. The last few years have seen record numbers of newcomers moving to the Maritimes to call it their home. We're fortunate to be surrounded by the natural beauty of the rolling sea, beaches, lush green forests, lakes, farmlands. All of this combined with the growing cities and low cost of living makes the Maritimes one of the most enjoyable places to live. Rich culture and hidden majestic beauties, Maritimes just might be Canada's best kept secret. 
Sounds pretty enticing, doesn't it? Sounds like you read a tourist ad. <laughs> I that actually was from a blog, but okay. um, yeah, that covered a good p- it, chunk it, of it. Good, it's got some good points. Yeah. I mean, I mean, some of those I, I looked into in a bit more detail and found them to be false, namely the uh, friendly people. <laughs> but um, uh, that, that has like two sides of the coin. We can cover that more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Before anyone takes offense, I'm not calling Canadians rude. Please, please don't have me. And you're not calling Maritimers rude either. No, uh, I was just claiming. Or, or that... unfriendly. <laughs> I feel like we're going to be in trouble with this. So. No, 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 we're going to give it more. We might as well give it more nuance now. So a good way to describe it is like there's they're friendly people. They're Canadian, right? But they're also very isolationist and very like they kind of have their group of people, their friends, their family that they've already kind of have, and a lot of them have deep roots in the area from like generations upon generations. So they aren't always as welcoming to outsiders moving into the Maritimes is the best way to put it. And some areas are different than others. So Prince Edward Island, for instance, is usually more unfriendly towards visitors than maybe some like Nova Scotia. Ah, interesting. I didn't know the difference between them. Yeah, so I would say that um, we, we spoke about these these natural beauty, the forests and the, um, the the stuff you can do outside. They have loads. If you're into kayaking, yeah, this this place is amongst the best places you could be. Um, there's lots of lakes. Uh, Cape Breton has like a, a huge lake in the middle of it, which is Brasse d'Or, which is um, fantastic. Uh, Cape Breton as well. I mentioned how it had like some higher peaks to it it looks kind of like scotland but greener yeah arguably Um, cape breton island is the most beautiful area of the maritimes and it's just it's stunning in the sense of its cliffs like golden and white cliffs mountains like green pastures water lakes it's yeah especially in the summer not maybe as much in the winter they they are formed out as like uh, glacial cut valleys as well, so it's kind of that um, like the mountain becomes the sea in parts, and it becomes lakes, mm-hmm. kind of like Scotland is. Um, and we could probably say that um, it has a lot of, as we said, forests and lakes. And we mentioned that the uh, the Mi'kmaq um, used to hunt caribou, and it has they have such a wide variety of flora and fauna as well on these islands um particularly if you're into your seafood as well there's probably enough things to eat um for quite a while to keep uh, the variety okay um whale spotting's really big in the island because a lot of whale migrations will go up past the um eastern coast of the of north american continent uh, and Some- this is yeah, Some years you even get icebergs that come down far enough south that they actually pass the Maritimes. Oh, that sounds scary. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think there was a story of like a polar bear and an iceberg that like went past the Maritimes. It might have been Newfoundland, but I'm pretty sure it like was the Maritimes. Okay. That's very rare, by the way. Yeah, we mentioned a lot about the low cost of living. I think that's... Um something to say is it's also um this area is quite deprived from um not just so there's a, a low amount of jobs in the area we we said that before 
but that also comes into this low cost of living and people or people here probably aren't as represented by the federals with the amount of money they're given as well so a good way to put that is like low cost of living has lots of different aspects to it housing is much less expensive than the rest of canada in the maritimes but goods like say at the grocery store would be more expensive and that's due to the fact of its uh remoteness interesting okay also another example is even even in places like halifax where goods are going to arrive yeah on the door yeah okay so it's kind of a double-edged sword in the sense oh i'll go i'll go to the maritimes it's like i can get a house for half the cost as ontario or quebec but what you don't realize is like you also have to pay for goods and services more uh driving's probably about the same in the sense that like your car uh to get parts would be a lot harder and probably more expensive but you might drive a lot less because your commute time is so small because you can afford something close to your place of work. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword on, on lots of different things. Overall, like if you did it right and you if your standard of living was low, like you could definitely save a lot of money. You know not everyone drives to work, Sevi. Yes, you're right. And you could also, if you were uh, commute uh, to work other ways, if you lived close enough, and such as in Moncton or Fredericton or... Uh, Moose moose riding. Yeah, or biking if it's the the summer. There's lots of biking all around all these areas. I actually biked from one end of, uh, that's a little hard to say, from from the top of Prince Edward Island to the bottom. How far is that? It's like a couple hours ride. I don't remember the exact distance. Just the, the island does look small on the map. And yeah, and it was like you were riding through the English countryside. That's how I would describe it in the summer. It was like just very beautiful. Okay, I will just. In terms of style, buildings and like the greenness and. Yeah. And you've done it before, you know. In, not the actual English countryside, but I know pictures. Um, okay. So, is there anything you wanted to say on what it's like to live there? Yeah, so I'm. I'll give like a couple jokes that kind of describe the different, the three different areas because they all have their own like tinge, but I'll connect them all together as well. So um, here's a joke where the dad says, "Did I tell you about my joke about the New Brunswick population?" Charles is like, "Nope," and dad, and then the dad says, "Actually, never mind. It's getting pretty old." So the idea behind that is that the there's a large uh, retired population in. New Brunswick, and it actually ex- extends to all of the Maritimes as well. Um, so a lot of people move there um, to retire because of its beauty, because of like the activities you can do. And given that there's not as much maybe jobs as larger cities or other areas of Canada, um, that doesn't matter if you're retiring. So it's no longer a, as big of a con. Um, okay, so now for... Uh, this is from Teresa Wright from Charlottetown. So Charlottetown is the largest city and capital of Prince Edward Island. Um, did you ever hear the joke about the woman who moved to PEI, Prince Edward Island? When she was two years old, she lived her whole life on the island and died there on her 90th birthday. But her obituary still read, woman from away dies peacefully in her home. So it kind of gives you a sense. She doesn't want to be... Woman from away, like woman who isn't from PI, despite living in her in PI yeah. for eighty eight years of her ninety year life, because she wasn't born there. Like the newspaper still is like, oh, person from away died in their home peacefully last night. So that's kind of the joke is, and that connects back to like the people there are very friendly, but it's definitely a lot more 
like they're they're ingrained in their roots in the community and like their friends that they grew grew up with and family like they're always still together um and there are stories of people who moved to Prince Edward Island for the beauty and for the the food and Charlottetown is like it's a city but it's like a beautiful like quaint town um right on the water I had oysters there some of the best oysters in the world are from uh, different coves along Prince Edward Island and I I can attest that they are very good um but uh again like they move people move there and they are like, oh, like I couldn't find any friends. I moved back to Ontario or Alberta or wherever else. Okay, and then the last joke, the Halifax joke. Um, I feel like all Nova Scotia tourism has to say is, dude, you can ride your bike, then walk through the woods, then jump in a lake. And the idea is it's very, like we talk about the nature and the beauty and it also pairs with a lot of the activities you can do. So there's lots of kayaking in the winter. There's lots of ice skating and like, uh, um, skiing and other winter sports it's very much of sporty isn't the right word but definitely like outdoorsy outdoorsy yeah Yeah. um and that's amongst all the places in the maritimes uh like not just nova scotia so i i think does that give you a sense of like how people live a little bit more and what they're like i think so yeah it's definitely a small town rural vibe and even though there are cities um, the cities are definitely still very like small town, small, small knit. Um, and they have that small town vibe where it's like, we don't have the problems of the big cities like crime or other stuff. That doesn't mean they don't, but yeah. So would you want to live there, Sammy? No, I probably wouldn't live there. Cause I do like the hustle and bustle of the city and like the networking vibe and going and, and how you can achieve more through that sense. And you don't really quite get that as much in, uh, the Maritimes. However, I do vastly enjoy the Maritimes' sense of outdoorsiness and and really the magnificent beauty of the place. I wish we had gone to Cape Breton Island when uh my, when we had gone to visit, and I kind of want to go back to see Cape Breton Island and to have the seafood, which was delightful. <laughs> May not be this year, Sevi. Maybe not this year. Definitely visit in the summer, unless you want. To experience the cold and pain and suffering and fog. And just the last thing I'll probably say on all that pain and suffering and the fog and the winter, I think that really does create a bit of a an inner culture of that. Um, we spoke about how people, they don't really like the outsiders maybe so much and the visitors, but that probably means when you're, when you're in that community and you're in those things and you endure this hardship together, that will usually bring people together and you would probably feel like you get more out of your islands. Well, that's a wrap on episode number 19, the penultimate episode of this season. Expect <laughs> season two, sorry. And expect some exciting things coming up next episode. No, no spoilers. No spoilers. Good, sir. No spoilers. And we'll see you. See you then. Don't yeah. forget to subscribe. And rate us. You can now rate us on Spotify as well. Expect nothing but hopefully five stars. <laughs> five stars for miles. Uh, and okay. So as they say in the Maritimes, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miles. Goodbye, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs>